Welcome to Inside Divorce. My name is Hindel Grossman, the owner of the law firm called Grossman & Associates LTD, located in Newton and Nantucket, Massachusetts. Today I'm sitting with Rochelle Seltzer, who is both an author and a coach with a business called Rochelle Seltzer Creative Core Coach. And I'd like to hear about uh, your business, Rochelle. Welcome to Inside Divorce. Thanks so much for having me, Hindel. I can just tell you a little bit about who I am. So I am a life amplifier and author of the book, Live Big. I help accomplish women to harness their creativity so they bring all of their greatness into the world. And I do it in a way that I think is pretty unique. Unlike a lot of coaches, I start by connecting women to the huge, really enormous untapped creative capacity that they possess. It's waiting for them to discover it so that they can stop reacting and start creating their lives. I guide them to gain clarity about the futures they want personally and their professional lives and learn to build enormous confidence so they can start creating that life. I inspire them to bring commitment to that vision so they become powerful creators of the lives that they dare to desire. And certainly for women going through divorce, anticipating it, or just on the other side of it, these are great resources for people to have. Those are very ambitious goals. So you call yourself a creative core coach. What does that mean? It means that most of us put this label of creativity on those special people in that little box. You know, we think that if you're not a brilliant musician or artist or poet or whatever, you're not creative. And my life's journey has really enlightened me in big ways about how much creativity we all come into the world with and that we rarely connect to most of it or much of it in some cases. We certainly don't think of ourselves as creators in most cases, but that we have this ability inside of us and that when we can understand it and use it and orient our even our thinking about everything in our lives to being powerfully creative people, that we can do so much in our lives and actually do what I have coined the idea of living big. Tapping into our each of our creative abilities is something that we're not used to if we don't think we have creative skills, right? So how do you propose people tap, tap into their creative side? There are two pieces of this. One is to consider yourself a creative person. So it's a mindset of a creator. And one of the things that I teach a lot is that the words creation and reaction have the same letters. And most of us live a very fast-paced life a very reactive life. We don't pause. We don't say to ourselves, in this moment, in this circumstance, in this situation, what do I want to create now? What next good step can I create to take that best step forward? It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be the right decision in this moment and then make the next right decision. And when you embrace yourself as a creative person with that capacity, you orient yourself differently to how you live day by day. The other piece of it is the creative expressive side, which again, people think that they have to be an extraordinary talent. And I say that we all have creativity in us and that when we learn to express ourselves in any fashion we want, whether it's with paintbrush or dancing or building or cooking or gardening or visionary ideas, but when we use our creative capacity for our own expression, 
we have such opportunity in our lives to, again, tap into all of ourselves and to heal ourselves of things that are like pent up anxiety has a place to go and to share our gifts and to enrich ourselves. So those are the two aspects of creativity that I talk about. I see. Well, I I know that you wrote a book called Live Big, and I'm going to get to that in a moment because I'm sure that book contains steps to achieve the goals that you're helping people achieve creatively and otherwise. So is part of what you're recommending and teaching how to set goals and then reach goals through smaller steps to avoid fear, perhaps, or just being frozen or stuck? Well, I think the word goals is a little bit of a a challenging one because I think that can be very loaded for people. I do think it's more important to get clear about what you really want. What do you desire? What's your vision for yourself? And how can you move toward that baby step by baby step until you really start making progress? Goals can come along the way. Specific goals can be milestones. But I think when we set goals for ourselves, many of us kind of beat ourselves up when we don't meet them. We can set ambitious goals or we can set goals that are really more realizable over time than struggle with them. So I think when you get clear about what you want and this vision for yourself, it's a more positive way to make forward motion. Okay. That seems more doable that way if you look at it in a different perspective. Yeah. And I think there's also the sense of accomplishment as you take these steps in that direction. You can feel positive reinforcement as you make progress in a way that's very, very motivating for people. I can see that would be. All right. Well, your book seems to be broken down into a couple of different segments. One is being and the other is doing. Could you explain those? Yeah. So I divided the book into the being of living big and the doing of living big because one of the things that I also like to say is that we're human beings and we spend most of our time doing and not enough time being. And so everything that we want to become in our lives starts with a state of being. How are we being in our lives? And from there, the doing is much, much more accessible to us. So some of the chapters in the first half of the book, and there are 10 chapters in each of these two sections, is to slow down and be still. That's the first one. That's really the foundation for all of living big, because when you were rushing around and we're trying to multitask, which I think most of us know by now is actually not even possible for our brains to do, but we think we do it and we try to do it. When we slow down and when we can find stillness is when we can really get our greatest wisdom from our intuition, when we can make our best creative decisions about every step we want to take. Tied into that is being able to live in the present because so many of us look back and rehash and restress ourselves over things that have happened and question, or we spin out into the future. And the truth is that we have a lot to learn by taking a look at the past and that we never really know what the future will be. We can try to set a path to something we want, but when we are not living in the present, we're missing this particular moment where we can make our clearest choices and connect to what we really want. A chapter on loving more to being able to orient ourselves to a state of love versus retribution or any of the other opposites of love, Um, being true to your heart, really being able to connect to who you are and being true to, to your values, to your needs, to your wants. Feeling free, living without fear is huge because fear is kind of the overriding thing that I think interrupts most people's ability to live big. 
being able to align with your purpose and to be patient and grateful and to see wonder around you. It's a positive frame that you can create for your life. And that's why I call all of these the being of living big. And then you can move into the doing. Well, before we move to doing, how do you propose people just be quiet and be in the present? (laughs) Well, I know this is really a challenge. I had a client a couple of years ago and I gave her some homework to sit on her back porch for 10 minutes at a time and do nothing. And she said, so what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to sit on your porch and do nothing. And she said, but I don't understand. (laughs) I said, I just want you to look at your garden and be able to do nothing and just be with yourself. And it was really hard homework for her. So, you know, it can start with being able to sit for five or 10 minutes and really do nothing. And be with the discomfort of that if it's uncomfortable for you. And start to learn to feel comfortable. And then in my book, I have one of my biggest tools that I call the Discovery Dozen, which is a really great technique that I use in many exercises in the book. And it starts with a a little piece of a sentence. It's like a fill-in-the-blank sentence. And you can complete the beginning of a sentence, any sentence, and we can talk about that if you want, with 12 different answers, that's the dozen, and you do it very quickly. So one of the suggestions in the book is to start with, if I sit quietly, I, and maybe your answer could be, if I sit quietly, I'll feel anxious. But you might say, if I sit quietly, I might get a new idea. And so if you can prompt yourself with, what is it going to be like to be able to sit still and be quiet? And maybe inspire yourself. Certainly can be about meditation, but I think most people need to start small. That's a big step for people. So just spend two to three to four minutes just sitting and breathing. Just be able to focus on your breath. It's like a little mini kind of a meditation. These are ways that you can start to slow down and be still. That seems manageable. Yeah. Or take a hot bath at the end of the day. Treat yourself that way. I mean, there are lots of different ways you can do it if you make a conscious decision to find some quiet time. Yeah. Well, I think for many of us, including myself, you wonder if you can always think of other things you could be doing with that a few minutes instead of being. And you have to let go of the all the things on your to-do list. Well, you know, there's something funny about that. I think that sometimes when we slow down, we get so much more done. And I know when my first coach said that to me, I thought that's impossible. It sounded so counterintuitive. But honestly, when I really started practicing it, I found that the clarity that I had and the focus, the lack of distraction when I actually continued what I needed to do was so much more effective. So there really is a benefit. And we don't need to be doing all the time. We do ourselves a favor when we can slow down. Yeah, I've always debated with myself about whether you're more efficient or effective or successful, whatever measure you have. If you are a multitasker and you're doing, obviously, multiple things at the same time, eventually they'll all get done, maybe more slowly because you're doing pieces at a time. Or if you pick a task, really knuckle down and focus on just that one task till its completion. I don't know the answer but I've wondered. I guess it depends on the task. (laughs) I was going to say, is a time for everything? I don't think there's ever a good time for multitasking. But I know that when I have something important to do that takes a lot, that I will do better with more concentration, I will just clear my desk of everything. I'll close all my programs that I don't need. So I have no distraction. I'll set a timer for 50 minutes and I will work straight through until the timer rings. 
I will take a break for either a walk around the block or a quick nap or a snack or something and come back and do another 50 minutes. And it's incredibly productive to work that way. That's a good suggestion. I might. I think I will. (laughs) So let's talk about the doing portion of your book, Live Big. Tell me about that. Absolutely. So I have 10 chapters here. The first one is listen to your intuition. And I think this is something that happens when we can slow down and be quiet. And I think for people going through divorce, it's incredibly important to be able to really hear those messages from your gut. The gut is considered the second brain. And I think there's a huge amount that we know about the neurologic connections there. And there's huge wisdom that we have. And there's a combination of listening to your intuition and speaking your truth and being able to be bold, live boldly is not necessarily loud and bombastic, but to truly stand in your power. These are all important aspects of the way that we want to live big, particularly going through a a challenging time like a divorce. Create is another big chapter for me, as you can imagine. And I talk about all different ways that you can approach and think about creating in your life and all the ways that it can support your well-being. Embracing change is another important chapter for people who are going through such a life-changing event and how you can approach change. I have a chapter here about play because it sort of goes with the feeling free in the first part of the book. Being able to bring the energy of play and lightness also just opens your mind. It opens your heart. It helps you to be more fully present and be more creative in your thinking. And then there's a chapter about finding your way and carrying on about resilience and how you can move into the future, which is certainly relevant for people who are moving into a new phase of their lives through this process and who want to be able to think expansively about what's possible, even in the face of a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns, and a lot of change. It's fantastic. It's great you put a a name to these tasks so you can really imagine yourself moving through them, particularly through divorce, but also in any other kind of uh, just living, moving through your life, living through change, wanting change. You know, none of us lives through a life without change. Some of it's change that we want to initiate, and some of it's change that happens around us. But Nobody, even if you try to lead a static life, it's sort of impossible, right? (laughs) Change is going to happen in many ways, small ways and and major ways. And how do we navigate those times? Yeah. I actually say to people, change is good, particularly when they're going through a change they don't want. I look at it as an opportunity. And I, I kind of like adjusting to change. That's why one of the reasons I want to go live in Europe, although now that we've endured a pandemic, it's not that appealing, (laughs) At the moment. (laughs) Right. When we're all feeling a little healthier, the world settles down and that opportunity arises again. I'm going to go do that. That will be a change I embrace. Yeah, well, that's part of connecting to what you really want and going after it. Well, I should start learning Portuguese pretty soon for that uh, that plan. plan (laughs) Yeah, well, I love the idea of also being present because so many of us get stuck in the past or wish for futures or fantasize about futures that are maybe uh, maybe unattainable, maybe attainable. But if we get distracted by just looking into the future, we can't really enjoy where we are at the moment. Yes. Yeah, there's so many good lessons in your book. You changed careers and embraced to change yourself from doing something very creative to doing this, which is also creative. Well, the funny story is that I was the first part of my professional career, I was a designer. 
And everybody always said how creative I was. And deep in my heart, I knew that there was a big flaw in that observation because my creativity was really all geared to solving the problems that my clients had. And I was very, very blocked from any kind of personal creative expression. And I've looked back at my life and I figured out where that started. It didn't make it a lot easier. So even though I had a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree and and went to an art college, I took all of my classes in the areas that had to do with design and never went to a painting class, never took a sculpting class or any of that. And it was really my own journey of starting to work with a coach a decade ago and hired my first coach to help me with my business when we went through the last major economic, what we thought was the biggest economic downturn of our lives. And here we are. I hope that was it. Yeah. Right. I had never had outside support, but I did feel at that time that I wanted a business coach. The funny thing is I didn't realize that the crux of the work that we were going to do together was going to have a huge impact on me and who I was and how I was leading my clients and leading my team and leading in my life and showing up as a leader in my marketing. I was very much challenged about that. And it was going through that expansion in that work with my coach that I had a realization that I was really grateful that I had had this wonderful business and that I had all the great clients that I had helped along the way, but that it wasn't really lighting me up anymore. And that there was something more that I wanted to do in the last decade or 15 years of my professional life. And I had no idea what that was going to be, but I was ready to figure it out. And it was in the process of selling my business and being open and being ready to embrace what was going to come next that opportunities started to show up for me. Doors started to open because I completely trusted myself. Of course, I had a very supportive spouse and I had a very, very loving coach and mentor So I wasn't going it alone, which is one of the big lessons in my life, is that things get better when you don't go it alone. And I happened to be invited to a workshop that was led by a very brilliant psychiatrist from Israel who uses creativity as his primary healing modality. And he had introduced us to a method that he uses called intuitive painting, Anyway, I ended up taking two different workshops with him because I was so profoundly impressed by what I was experiencing and learning from him. And I ended up studying with him for two years. And it was really in that exploration of trying to understand creativity, trying to understand why it had eluded me in so many important ways that I came through all that training and realized that what I wanted to do was create a coaching practice that was built around that because coaching had had a huge profound impact on my life. And that's when I started this practice. And then the book grew out of that. Well, you certainly learned a lot and share a lot and had lots of great ideas for getting unstuck and moving forward. So your book is Live Big, A Manifesto for a Creative Life, written by Rochelle Seltzer, who we've been talking with today on this podcast. Thank you, Rochelle. Is there anything else you want to give our audience your contact information, perhaps? Oh, I'd be delighted. Probably the easiest way to find the book and to find out about me is the book website, which is called thelivebigbook.com. You can also just go to Amazon and put in Live Big, a Manifesto for a Creative Life, or my name will come up. One thing that I can add is that at the website, thelivebigbook.com, there are a number of gifts. They're actually gifts that I offer in the book 
that you can access there. That's something that people might want to check out. There are a few different meditations that I've recorded. There's a guide to, it's called Self-Love and the Self-Critic, which is a big foundation for the work that I do and for understanding how to be a powerful creator in your life is how to build more self-love and how to manage the inevitable self-critic that will show up. So those are all available through the website as well. That's terrific. Great idea. I think I'll listen to it. My, their meditation myself. I'll start there. Okay. And I've looked at your book. It's a beautiful book. I recommend our listeners purchase it for its content as well as um, its beauty. It's uh, beautifully designed as one would expect from a former designer, graphic designer like Rochelle. Well, I did not design the book, Kendall, but I hired a phenomenal designer to work with me who I knew would bring my vision to life. Uh-huh. Who is that? Her name is Mary Lester. She's in Sudbury, Massachusetts. Just a complete joy to work with her. Wonderful. We'll give a promotion to her too. Is there any other contact information or said the best way is the livebigbook.com? That's the best way. And then just Google my name, Rochelle Seltzer and rochelleseltzer.com. You can get the book on the coaching site. You can get to the coaching site on the book site. Anything will work there. And don't you have some meetings that you've been conducting, group meetings and Zoom meetings on your through your website? Well, through this pandemic, I've been doing a weekly Zoom call on the weekends that I open to everybody. And they've been wonderful. They've been places where I can share some unique ways that we can all cope and thrive and support ourselves through this time of change and a lot of unknowns, stay grounded and stay positive. On my website, there's a page under the resources section called Thriving Now. I've been keeping a long running list of resources that I've been recommending and some that uh, people who have been on the calls have shared with, with everybody so that we can all learn and find resources that we need as we move through the ups and downs of a period of time that's clearly going to not just stop and we're never going to get back to exactly where we were before. There's going to be change and there's going to be evolution as we move through this. And I believe some very good lessons and good learning will come out of it. We have big opportunities. We do. So that page on the site might be a good a good place for people to turn as well. So again, it's on rochelleseltzer.com and Thriving Now is under resources. Wonderful. Thank you, Rochelle. Thanks so much, Hindel. It was such a pleasure to be with you. Pleasure to speak with you today too. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like more information about the topics covered in our podcast, please contact us at Grossman & Associates. You'll find a competent and experienced team of compassionate, responsive, and innovative legal professionals. Email me at hindel at grossmanltd.com. My first name is spelled H-I-N-D-E-L-L. Or call us at 617-969-0069. Thank you for listening.